0: And friends, Of course I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and I are tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Okay, Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one. Let's go.
1: This is Tim and Friends with me, Timothy, and the one and only Jesse Rubinoff is back. Kind of. How the hell are you feeling? And did I give you COVID? We're
0: good, Tim.
2: We're good. We're good. You did, I think you did give me COVID. What yeah. the hell
1: was that? We're
2: good, Tim.
0: We're good, Tim. I you don't
2: forgot you about know, that, you that You didn't one. even know we had yeah. that on the sim board, eh? I forgot about that one. Um, did you give me COVID potentially? The jury's still out on that. I don't think we'll ever know. Well, well hold on. I did have
1: it on the Monday, mm-hmm. or at least... Tested positive on the Tuesday. You weren't symptomatic
2: on the Monday. Work with you on the Monday. You weren't symptomatic. You did sneeze once, though, I think. Or, did, or like, oh, yeah. remember like, yeah, that? Yeah. yeah, it's in my head
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> my you, hold on a second. Didn't you go to, like, a Jays game with 45,000 other people? Oh, didn't yeah. you go to, like, super there
2: I think I was quadruple exposed. Seb didn't get it. He's a legend, though. He's got an incredible <laughs> immune system. He, he is a legend. That's amazing. Uh, how are you feeling? I'm okay. I feel like I have a new like baseline. I'm like not 100. percent I sound like you. You don't sound 100. percent No, you sound
1: worse than me. No, I
2: don't. I just have a cough. You don't have the cough.
1: Yeah, that's. But you haven't coughed yet on the air. No, but, but I'm going off to, so. the air. I heard you, and yeah. you sound like you've got yeah. something stuck in your in your lungs. Yeah. Right now, so so. Which is just a lot of mucus. If I cough.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> If I cough, yeah, as it comes, up, you know why. Do you I have uh, a persistent cough at the moment? Yeah, but I'm testing negative, so I'm. I, it's fine. I, I'm Jesse fine.
1: had COVID. He's playing a little bit hurt, and this is uh, the way we do things in, in 2022. Eric uh, Thomas,
2: yeah. Sports and Central anchor, taught me a, a trick uh, once. You put halls or any cough drop right. in your hot water, dissolves, and then it just is that like the uh, the halls with mentoliptus. Mentoliptus yeah. is that a thing? Yeah, mentoliptus. Mentoliptus. Yeah. Never heard of that before.
1: Yeah, it's like the search without the rescue. Is
2: that something you learned while you had COVID?
1: <laughs> no, it's, not. it's something that they used to have commercials with uh, back in oh, the right. day that you probably don't remember because no. you're seven years old. No,
2: I don't. <laughs> seven <laughs> years. Old. How are you doing? I know we were trading like uh, like shows to watch while we were holding out. Yeah, up was, uh, so let's let's break this
1: down. So I, I test positive for COVID. I'm kind of locked down for a little while, and then I hear Jesse's got the same. So I text him a bunch of the things that I was watching. One of them because he felt bad. Welcome to Wrexham. Yeah, yeah I felt like <laughs> <bad> that, <laughs> yeah, right? that I gave you COVID. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. we got to stop making out. I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah, basically, yeah. basically, that's what it is. <laughs> uh, Welcome to Wrexham was really good, though. You mentioned that. It was amazing. Very well done. So creative. I, I wish that I could do that kind of storytelling on this show. Uh, I mean, two hours show. a day, five days a week yeah, it's is very hard to do. Yeah. What they do
2: in 20 minutes once a week. Yes, that's what I liked the most about it, but it was so short. It's half right. an hour episodes. Right. Bing, bang, boom, you fly through it and, yeah. Bing, bang, boom. I like that's it. That's what it is. No, no, I hear you. That's what it is. Yeah. Happy to be back, though. I missed you. <laughs> <laughs> I did you did watch anything it. else? Anything else people need to know? Uh, did n- you watch nobody? I watched nobody. I did watch nobody. Yeah. And I told you, and you didn't get, Yeah, I told you this, you were really like confused. Bob Odenkirk? About this. Very good actor. Yeah. Um, but... It's similar to Equalizer with Denzel Washington, but you haven't watched the no, Equalizer, I haven't, and I no think one. that if you like nobody, you'll really like Equalizer. Because first of all, Denzel Washington—like, who doesn't like? Director
1: uh, Matt Taylor, self-professed cinephile, uh, not sure how good his taste really is. Said similar to John Wick too,
2: which I haven't seen. I haven't. I heard great things about John Wick. Oh yeah, I haven't. I just got a what, You haven't watched yeah, John Wick? You haven't seen it either. All right. Uh, let us know uh, just in
1: case Jesse goes back on the COVID. IR, <laughs> no, hopefully not. Uh, what Please. other movie does he need to watch? And is John Wick a part of it? So yeah, nobody in Welcome to Rexum, How did I do? Fantastic. Oh, there you uh, go. Yeah, very nice. impressed. Nice. Very, very. Impressed. That Ryan Reynolds, unbelievable. Fine-looking human being. Do you think being. he's actually
2: that likable? Oh like my
1: God, likeable. remarkably likable. Who cares? Even if he isn't, right. just to pass yourself off as that likable. Oh my God, Reynolds. Right <laughs> actually, no, for a fact. Uh, because they did some work with that uh, COVID nineteen group, mm-hmm. he did same work with that group, and they had nothing but amazing things to say about one Ryan Reynolds, and plus he's just Canadian, so
2: yeah, it, it's just fascinating. Because you think like, oh, these Hollywood dorks like coming to own this team, this nothing team that's not even in the major leagues of soccer, right? And they just he won them over. They they win everybody over, yeah. including the viewers, because you can go in there yeah. at you know. Yeah. You don't think it's going to work, and it ends up working Seb, beautifully. Seb, the ultimate
1: contrarian, does not like Ryan Reynolds. What? Okay, okay. I thought you gave me the look like I was a,
2: nobody likes dislikes Ryan Reynolds.
3: Yeah,
1: I
2: mean there's going to be now you're going to have people writing in and saying Say, yeah. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I'll, And I'll read those for. That's what I got. All right. We'll try <laughs> and win over our viewers
1: today nice. with a solid show no matter how we're feeling. The show must go on and to be honest with you it has for a couple weeks now. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure how good we're going to be, but I can tell you we're going to try our asses off. The Major League Playoffs have cost us a third Sports Equinox in the last 5 days, but we are still jam-packed and will hit all four major North American men's sports with Ken Rosenthal on baseball Jeff Merrick on the NHL Rich Gannon on the NFL and Alvin Williams on heat Raptors to electric boogaloo which you can see tonight on the Sportsnet family of channels the Canucks Caleb Martin Tom Brady Aaron Rodgers, the Leafs getting the snot beat out of them Jesse would you like this not beat out of you? I mean, like, literally?
2: <laughs> that would be helpful <laughs> would at a time like this. Yeah, and at an it. Astros Phillies
1: <laughs> World Series, and dear God, the Lakers. The Los Angeles Lakers will try to get to all of it. Earlier today, Kerry Price spoke to the media for the first time, and for the first time since a standing ovation at the Montreal Canadiens home opener where he looked sharp, all black, Johnny Cash with the cowboy hat, and he said, well, it's been a roller coaster of emotions. He's not quite ready to walk away just yet, and given what he's gone through over the last little while, uh, pretty easy guy to root for, eh, Jesse? One of the, one of the easiest, without a doubt. Have, uh, other than Ryan Reynolds. Other than Ryan, yeah. my,
2: cough, my cough button was on the whole time. Hey, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Were you going to cough? Uh, no, I was. Yes. Yeah. So th- okay. So would you like to repeat I, yourself? What I said was. Yeah, it was very good. He, he's one of the more wonderful, one of the more likable, out there. Mm-hmm. Other than Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, Carey Price. Number one. One, two. You knew that was going to happen too, because I'm just holding this thing as if like it's the most important thing in the world.
1: <laughs> the <right now>. preemptive cough
2: <laughs> <call laughs> button for Jesse Rubinoff.
1: Welcome to the Mime Network. I'm Jesse Rubinoff. <laughs> and today.
4: Shot like this. <sighs> it work, like this.
1: <laughs> All right. We wish Carey Price and Ryan Reynolds the best, and I sure as hell hope that he gets to go out on his own terms. Carey Price. All right. Uh, like I said, this is a jam-packed one. So let's officially welcome back. Jesse Rubinoff with a little first things first. Let's go. Let's begin the affairs, Matt Stairs.
2: <laughs> Phillies. I got it. There you go, yeah. I'm and a Canadian, no Canadian, less. Canadian, yeah. I got it. Uh, okay, we have uh, six games on the NHL schedule tonight with five Canadian teams in action, including the reeling Canucks hosting the Hurricanes. Vancouver is the only remaining winless team in the National Hockey League after they dropped their home opener Saturday the Sabres, default to 0-4-2 on the season. Fans in the lower mainland clearly frustrated. Some even threw their jerseys on the ice. Where did the Canucks go from here today?
1: Last week, I know you weren't here. You were at home watching Welcome to Wrexham and nobody. Um, I, was, uh, I was preaching patience to Vancouver Canucks fans. I was saying work out for you. the division is terrible. Uh, this team isn't as bad as they looked in the first two games. It wasn't as bad as they looked in the first three games. Listen, they're not as bad as they looked in the 1st 2 games they was not as bad four games. Listen, I'm telling you, in the division, they're not as bad as they played in the first five games of the season. <laughs> and then Saturday happened. Holy bleep did Saturday ever happen. Hmm. And I watched... As it appeared, and I never say this, both me and Bruce Boudreaux are very reticent in saying that a team quit. Mm-hmm. And as you watch that game, and listen, this isn't your dad's Buffalo Sabres. They actually played really well across Western Canada. They're a pretty good team, but it did not go well for them at all. And I listened to Boudreaux talk first. I'm going to give you that clip. Yep. Okay? So, again, I'm here last week preaching patience, division sucks, your team's better than you actually think Vancouver. And then I watched that game on Saturday, and then I hear this from Bruce
0: Boutreau. It's just totally embarrassing. And uh, um, just, you know, it's uh, it's something you never want to see. And I've seen it happen in other arenas and everything. And. And never thought it would happen here or on a team that I'm coaching. But if I was the fans, I would have been frustrated too because they're watching what we're watching.
5: What did you tell the players after a game like this?
0: I told them to look in a mirror. All right, embarrassing
1: look in the mirror. That's just the first part. Then Jim Rutherford is on after hours, after the game. And here's what Jim Rutherford had to say.
5: I'm the same as the fans and everybody. It's, it's, it's getting frustrating, it's hard to watch, and uh, we'll, have to, uh, we'll just have to be careful as to what our decisions are. I don't think we can make panic decisions at this point in time. We may very well be in a rebuild in the direction we're going, uh, but ideally we'd like to transition this team on the, on the fly
1: transition this team on the fly, rebuild. We're back in that area, Vancouver. Here's J.T. Miller from today, and then I'll give you what I think. They want to throw their on the ice, it's up to them.
0: Does it leave a mark though? Does
4: it bother you guys? That happens in a home I, I, I don't know, it's more of the same here. I guess I got a job to do. I'm not worried about if people want to come to the game, pay all that money, and throw their jersey on the ice, go ahead, I don't I got a job to do. Um, I'm worried about beating Hurricanes today and having a good start to the game and us really trying to come together as a team, not whether
1: people want to toss their gear on the ice or not. Back in the day when Jim Benning had gone through the Jim Benning era in Mm. Vancouver, I came on here and I said, when people show you who they are, believe them the first time. And we'd gone through this entire, like, Are they good, are they not good, are they good, are they not good with Benning? And the same kind of phrase about transitioning this team came out of the mouths of everyone involved. And basically that's why Trevor Linden walked away. Mm -hmm. And how long ago did Trevor Linden walk away now? Like we're talking years. And so the Vancouver Canucks, I thought, okay, patience, there's enough in this room. And I've said that for how many years now with you, Jesse? Two? Mm -hmm. Three years? Mm -hmm. When people show you who they are, believe them the first time? Like, are we at the same point with this team as we were with Jim Benning, Travis Green? and the rest of the people that have been in Vancouver over the last little a while. There was always a couple of excuses. There was a good finish last year. There was COVID the year before. Mm-hmm. The, the team got hit hard, understandably. But this is another... And I get it, Vancouver. You're frustrated. You're done. <laughs> and this is the 18th time that you've said this, and I completely understand it. So if there is a rebuild... Is this not the
2: year that you would do it? I mean, it has to be. Look at the roster. I'm going to flash that roster up one more time. Look at the D. Look at the D, okay? How is that team supposed to be competitive, uh, a team that we thought was at the very least going to be on the bubble of a playoff team, with that, those six guys nothing against those six guys they're in the NHL but as a as a together as a unit well that's- Quinn
1: Hughes obviously week to week like this is just one after another and Myers just comes back and those are two of your best defensemen yeah. and Thatcher Demko hasn't played the way Thatcher Demko has played in the past, but that's because his defense isn't as good as they need to be. Right. And maybe their top nine is really good, but we haven't seen that for a
2: prolonged period of time. So are they really that good? So it's a core issue then. Like it's an issue with the the, the makeup of this team, because but, you, look, you look at the, the the team that lost so many games last year with Travis Green, they couldn't score. They were I guess fine defensively, but they couldn't score. And now this team better offensively. Yeah, but we but know that that's just the struggling.
1: difference between Boudreau and Green, right? Right, but I think we're all intelligent enough to know that that's just the difference between what Bruce Boudreau stresses and what Travis Green stresses. Yeah, but they're
2: struggling with both guys. So the point is that I it, know it would reflect that it's a roster. I, I, I know. So
1: here's here's my point in all this mm-hmm. is you can dance around it. But as Bill Parcells once said, you are what your record says you are. And what your record has said that you are in Vancouver is not a playoff team basically since Trevor Linden left save for one year. And so either you believe the one year or the Bruce Boudreaux finish or you start this transition whatever way you want to do it. But." This is one of the deepest drafts in years. And the top of the draft, although it is being contested a wee bit by a couple different guys, is Connor Bedard, who just so happens to be a BC kid and mm-hmm. played in West Van. So, Elliot Friedman, and Jeff Merrick's gonna join us a little later. Elliot Friedman brought up the word rebuild and tank with Vancouver earlier today on 32 thoughts and at first I'm thinking dear God last week I was talking about having patience in that division with this group and now when you consider this draft it's it's almost in the same position I was with the Toronto Raptors in Tampa where the fan base is pissed off for different reasons Mm -hmm. and I may have spit as I said pissed off so maybe I did give you COVID after all (laughs) but the fan base in Toronto when the club was in Tampa was like go ahead tank the fan base in Vancouver I would love to know the answer maybe we need to send this out on Twitter Mm -hmm. and ask them if they're ready for the rebuild now or if they're still clinging because there are pieces in that room without a doubt like if you offer up any of these guys to the rest of the NHL, there are going to be a lot of takers. Even with JT Miller, who is struggling mightily, half of it I believe to be because he's trying to do too much because he got a new deal.
2: They moved him to the wing now. They're trying, they're at least trying to shake things up from a roster perspective.
1: But I just want to know would Vancouver be okay with whatever the rebuild looks like? Mm-hmm. Because that's what Jim Rutherford was talking about. And there are many in that market that have been saying for years, Give us the bleep and rebuild, and they never did because Francesco Aquilini and the ownership group obviously wants playoff gates and they've only gotten one. Mm-hmm. It's brutal. And remember when that one was. So it's not as if they were taking in huge amounts of money. No. So if you look at this draft, you see Connor Bedard as the prize. Is maybe the Tampa tank that was Toronto and the Raptors in Tampa something that Vancouver because that might kickstart the rebuild that might be able to give you the transition
0: yeah
2: it's possible
1: I just don't know if the the appetite in that market I'm very curious about what the because if you listen it feels like it's 50 50 and maybe even like 70 30 for some to say Let's rebuild yeah. this the right
2: way. Well, the jersey being thrown on the ice, like that that's not just a six-game thing, right? That no. is a carryover from years, specifically last year as well. So, I mean, an, an ugly, ugly start, and we'll continue to keep our eyes on this because it's one of the more intriguing stories in the National Hockey League, uh, despite it being a tire fire at the moment.
1: Uh, Canes and Canucks, 10 p.m. Eastern, Sportsnet Pacific, Ontario, and Sportsnet 360 nice nationally. Plug. We'll see if they can... Uh, Loosen the collar a little bit, get a couple wins here, because as I've said numerous times, the division isn't the greatest. No. So if they can make a run here, we may be able to put all of this behind us. If they don't make the run, then you're going to hear this rebuild, 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 gather steam. Mm-hmm.
2: The Canucks. Guaranteed. Following the Raptors, who are back in action tonight in Miami, two nights after losing a heated affair, see what we did there on Saturday, Caleb Martin has been suspended one game. Uh, that's for tonight's game for tackling Christian Coloco into the first row of the stands while Coloco was fined for his role in the incident. Meanwhile, Scotty Barnes listed as questionable after leaving Saturday's game with an ankle injury. The Raps have dropped two in a row since beating the Cavs in the season opener. Are you worried about the 1-2 and two start?
1: Worried about the one in studio? No, they've been close games. I thought that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were unbelievable late in that Brooklyn game. The Raptors mm-hmm. still had a chance to win it. Obviously, after the Caleb Martin colloquial incident, the Raptors make another run. The one thing I will be concerned about for the vast majority of this season will be the Raptors' minutes played with their stars versus wins. And last year it was obvious that Nick Nurse had to ride his best players in order to get the wins Mm -hmm. and to be in a spot where they weren't in a play in game and kind of sort of relevant as we see early once again because they've been close games the minutes are high once again can they get enough help for their core to alleviate some of the pressure on them game in and game out and listen. They've played three pretty good teams, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Cavs are expected to be in it. Heat obviously expect to be in it. I don't know what the hell the Brooklyn Nets were. But <laughs> they did play with some urgency in their second game and look really good down the wire. But this Toronto Raptors team is going to need help from their bench. And as you can see, uh, they're not the only ones. They are not alone. But
2: as we saw last year, that war on this yeah. team immensely. It's crazy. They need... Otto Porter Jr., it seems like they need they need shooting. And one thing that I've noticed, and I know we talked about this last year, how they stole the ball a lot, deflected the ball a lot, that led to more possessions. Right now, they're not getting the offensive rebounds that they got last year, which affords them more opportunities. They're not a good shooting team. They have some shooters, but they're not a good shooting team. And when you don't get those extra touches and extra possessions, you're going to struggle. They're 20, yeah, but, 21st in offensive rebounds. only yeah, but, three games. But they played,
1: they played the Cavs,
2: which is – Jared Allen
1: and Evan Mobley. And, have a lot of bigs. Yeah. Yeah, and they were never going to win that battle in that game. Uh, Brooklyn, whatever, and uh, that's one of the things that Eric Spoelstra in Miami does well, too. So mm-hmm. I, what, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that these three games would denote what no, you're looking the for there. Uh, I, I, I will caution your caution. Nice. That's what I'm the doing. The double here. caution. I'm, I'm cautioning your caution. Reverse caution. I, but I will say this, their offense isn't good yet. Mm-hmm. And last year, their half-court offense wasn't good. Where you got it was what you're talking about. Deflections, defense, offensive rebounds. What you wanted to see, what Nick Nurse talked to us before the season about was that half court offenses, that half-court offense being more efficient. Mm-hmm. And we haven't seen that as of yet, granted against three pretty good teams. Uh, so they get a rematch. No Caleb Martin tonight. You sound like garbage. Like you're not even leaning into anything right now. How many times have you coughed so
2: far? <laughs> a lot. I'm struggling more than I thought I was going to. <laughs> we're being completely <laughs> Okay, honest. let me know if you need my help. No, no, I'm good. All right. uh, so this skirmish, uh, Caleb Martin suspended, so we're not going to get anything I, I wish he it. wasn't suspended because Caleb Martin, listen, it, it was Coloclo
1: completely, like I was surprised he got fined he did stand up with a little bit of aggression but that's because a dude was standing over him with clinched yeah. fists yelling do? at him yeah. and this isn't the first time with caleb martin he's a bleak disturber he is the evil of the two twins we can go back to last year this is martin on scotty barnes with one of the cheapest shoves that the nba did not I, like if in fact caleb martin was playing this game I was going to suggest that it's time somebody punch him in the face. And I don't suggest that very often. Mm-hmm. But this, what you're seeing right now from January of this year, is the very reason why there's fighting in hockey. Right? Yeah, yeah. That, that, what you just saw was the very, re- like, people will watch hockey and they'll go, oh, I can't believe those barbarians, those Neanderthals, punching each other in the face. What Caleb Martin does on the court is similar to a long line of rats in basketball. And every once in a while, someone's got to step up to them and punch them in the face so that they won't do it again. And we're going to talk to Alvin Williams a little later on. If Charles Oakley was on the floor... With a Caleb Martin, different game. It it might, it (laughs) might be a little bit of a different game. But we listen as the Toronto Raptors. I think what they did, how they attempted to respond to this, was uh, with a concerted effort for the rest of the game. They almost clawed back into Mm a game they had no business being in. But you can't have stuff like this in the floor. Like a one-game suspension really shocked me because if those first two rows of seats weren't empty, like there were people standing there. Yeah.
2: Luckily, it was Miami. Yeah. They're out doing something better. (laughs) (laughs) Like what? Just eating at nice restaurants. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. come on, man. Uh, We'll let you know about um, Scotty Barnes and his ankle, because obviously being a future Hall of Famer would be helpful if he was in the Raptors lineup. Without a doubt. But it doesn't sound good right now. No. No, it's not what you want to hear. His ankle, obviously. Uh, Week 7 in the National Football League wraps up tonight with the Chicago Bears and New England Patriots on Monday Night Football. It was another shocking Sunday. Headlined by the Panthers, upsetting Tom Brady and the Bucks and killing me in my survivor pool. And the Commanders beating Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, Tampa Bay and Green Bay, both now three and four on the season. Pretty much more worried about the Packers or the Bucks.
1: Wonderful question. Uh, I would say if it weren't for the divisions, it would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because Tom Brady has not looked good. Uh, You just got beat by P.J. Walker and a Panthers team that basically have quit on the season. They are selling pieces, and you lost scoring three points in the loss. You add the special treatment for Brady. You add the yelling at the offensive line. You add the going to Robert Kraft. Like, all that is cute when you're the GOAT. When you're the best player on planet Earth, obviously you get treated differently. Obviously, there is... A different feel in and around what you do. But when you go out in the field and you're average to below average, that's not so cute anymore. And I'm telling you, there are guys in that room that are starting to become tired of the entire Tom Brady drama. And if he doesn't figure it out, they're going to turn on him. Because you can get away with it because you've got the rings, because you've got the history. But when you're playing the way he's playing, I think that gets tired a lot quicker than it does when you look like you're a Super Bowl team. Now, the division will afford them a lot more time to figure it out, (laughs) and the road, as I have said numerous times, is littered with folks that bet against Tom Brady. No doubt about that. However, the longer this goes, he's got to slow down eventually, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, he's 45. Mm -hmm. He's, he's got to slow down he's eventually. He's 45. Yeah, he's a man. Come after him. Yeah. He's a man. <laughs> so I, I'm a little bit worried about Tom Brady. But I will say this: the division, the, the losses for Green Bay are even worse. But I think if, if that they need receiving core gets better, but he's not even trust. Like, he doesn't even trust them. Yeah, that's what it is, though. It's trust.
2: But eventually, you just got to throw the ball and have him make plays. Does he not want to throw picks? Like, what's what is going on here? Is it they have no separation? So. Or he just doesn't have a Devontae Adams to be through to literally no, he just any doesn't. situation.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. Right. He, he came to trust Devontae Adams and he could throw the ball to them in any situation. And right now, we saw a video yesterday of receivers getting wide open and Tom and Aaron, <laughs> and Slip, not throwing them the ball. Mm-hmm. And he's not throwing them the ball because he doesn't trust them. And whether it's Sammy Watkins coming off of injury, whether if it's Romeo Dott, like, it doesn't matter who it is. He does not trust them. And eventually you just got to trust them, and you can't just throw to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon is all Is that time.
2: a failure on the, the front office that they don't have anybody? Yeah, this failure on the front office.
1: Why do you think Devontae Adams left?
2: You tell me. Say money. Don't you tell me. <laughs> Why did he leave? Because he didn't like Aaron Rodgers. He didn't want to stick around with Aaron Rodgers. He, he's playing with his college teammate now in, in Vegas. So that's cute. The same money. That's cute. They stink, though. So maybe he's regretting his decision a little bit. Yeah, wait, they are, they Timmy's are top five.
1: Bad. Timmy's top five. They might not stink for long. Really? Yeah. Um, Here, here's the hot take. The Las Vegas Raiders almost called, them Los, almost called them Los Angeles. That would be fair. The Las Vegas Raiders will finish with a better record than the Green Bay Packers. Really? Before we go to break. That's a take. Hot take, I call it a hot take. (laughs) Before we go to break, uh, all of our friends celebrating, we want to wish you a happy Wally. Still to come though, Donovan Bennett stops by the back half of the show and we need the help, as evidenced by the first block. Alvin Williams ahead of the Raptors and Heat. Rich Gannon on an eventful weekend in the NFL. Jeff Merrick on Carey Price the Leafs and the mess in Vancouver plus after the break Ken Rosenthal's take on the World Series and what the hell happened in New York with the Yankees Tim and friends all the sports all the time. Let's go. On
0: the seventh pitch Harper hits one in the air left center field back it goes Harper the swing of his life. What was your thought process there. Man I just did that. Three and one. And he swings and lifts one in the air deep to left field. He'll watch it fly. Jeremy Pena. Your ALCS MVP is the rookie Jeremy Pena. Congratulations. Fires downfield and the pass is dropped.
6: The frustration on Brady's face.
0: Finds Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers to the 20. Out of bounds and that's your ballgame.
5: game. I'm a team of kids. Taking on the mascots. Check out Freddie the Falcon dropping the hammer on one of the
7: children. Oh my. Snyder get him.
0: (laughs) Two-time MVP Bryce Harper at the plate. He's one swing perhaps from the World Series. Hits one in the air. Left center. This is like
6: something straight out of a movie. And the Philadelphia Phillies
0: are going to the World Series. What a postseason breakout for Jeremy Pena. Steps in with two on, nobody out. And he swings and lifts one in the air deep to left field. He'll watch it fly. The wow factor is real with Jeremy Pena. Fitting that the Yankee season is now in the hands of Aaron Judge. Judge on the ground Presley's got it easy flip ball game over the Astros are going back to the World Series a dominating performance a perfect 7 and 0 oh to start this postseason
1: somebody tried to tell you on this show they thought the Astros were a little better than everybody else let me just try and put my shoulder back in after <laughs> separating and patting myself in the back we have a World Series the Phillies. And the Astros will go toe to toe and it'll all start on Friday. Here to help us break it down and figure out what the rest of it means is one of the best in the business. It is Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic and the MLB on Fox. Welcome back to the show, Kenny. How are you, man? Thanks, Tim. I was just wondering, did you have the Phillies going to the World (laughs) Series? No, I did not. I did not have. What we're calling, and and tell me if this is incorrect or kind of sort of on brand, Uh, a lot of folks up here are calling the Phillies the Jays of the National League because of how similarly they are built, whereas you've got this great offense, a kind of sort of mediocre bullpen, a kind of sort of mediocre defense, and yet they just got hot at the right time.
7: I can see it, yeah. and yes, if I was a Jays fan, I'd be thinking, man, why wasn't it us? But that's <laughs> baseball, and as we've seen this postseason, new format, old format, it doesn't really matter. That wild-card team or teams, if it gets hot or they get hot, things can happen, and that is the Phillies in a nutshell. In September, they went through a stretch in which they were 3-10. and 10. They looked horrible, yeah. and yet they get in because the Brewers kind of collapsed, and here they are headed to the World Series It's been, I wouldn't say a miraculous run, but just a stunning run for
1: sure. Uh, I always say our strengths are our weaknesses. Uh, They're often one and the same, Ken. Uh, Baseball is the same, where the strength is the weakness, right? Like this can happen in baseball, but that's what makes playoff baseball so much fun. So I know you wrote a story on Bryce Harper. It is is some of this the ultimate redemption for what has kind of sort of been a polarizing figure since he came into the, the game of baseball?
7: I guess you could say that, Tim. Those criticisms that were made of him earlier in his career, that he was hot-tempered, too cocky, bad attitude, all of that, that seems to have diminished in recent years, really in the time he's been with Philadelphia. But at the same time, yes, you can paint the arc here where – at the start of his career some people thought he was overrated later in his career some people actually thought he was underrated because people kind of were overlooking him and now as I wrote today he will forever be celebrated in Philadelphia that home run was one of the more dramatic you will ever see
1: the shots of that and and I know you were there for that it felt like the place exploded Uh, you were there for it. what did it feel like in person
7: Uh, That's what it felt like. (laughs) (laughs) We're watching the video here, and see the crowd. They've been standing the entire time, and that's the whole game that they were like that. And obviously, when he hit that, the go-ahead homer, in the most dramatic way imaginable, there was an eruption. But frankly, Tim, it was loud every moment of every game, but you can see the people jumping up and down there. And the Phillies had not been in the playoffs since 2011, and they have not won the World Series since 2008 so it was a huge release for that city and that fan base and bryce harper is a guy that when he signed with philadelphia a lot of us had questions what is he doing why didn't he get an opt out what where's this going and yet it almost seems now like the perfect match of city and player he is a guy who plays very hard works hard shows emotion and that's what philadelphia fans want out of their players they want that kind of effort on display. And I know all fans want that, but Philadelphia is a more demanding place than most.
1: Kenny, uh, we have the first Canadian manager to lead a team to a World Series in Rob Thompson. What do you make of this story? And are we overrating it because he's Canadian? Or is this one of the better stories in baseball right now?
7: You are not overrating it. It is one of the better stories in baseball right now. And I'll tell you a little story inside the story, if you want to call it that three days before Joe Girardi was fired, I wrote that if they fired Joe Girardi, it's not going to change anything. Their problems will still be their problems: Defense, bullpen, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Well, they fired him three days after that. They hired Rob Thompson, who had been the bench coach and a guy that always had aspired to manage, but really it seemed like his chance had passed. And I wasn't sure any one person could fix their problems. Well, obviously I was quite wrong. Their problems almost immediately went away and in large part because of the tone he set. He's calm, he's extremely professional, extremely knowledgeable. He has a background of working in the minor league system, did it for over two decades, so he has a great feel for younger players. And their younger players started to blossom after he took over, he straightened out the bullpen. And there is a reverence for him in that clubhouse that I don't know that I've seen all that often. And even yesterday, when they're on the field celebrating, Actually, the players had gone into the clubhouse pretty much by this point. A bunch of the wives, at least I think they were the wives, they asked Rob to post for a picture with them. They were wearing t shirts that said, We ride with Rob. It might have all been female relatives. I don't think so. I think there were some wives in there. And you never see that. So
1: yeah.
7: there's a feeling for him, an appreciation for him in that clubhouse. And that is what counts the most. We will talk all day long about strategy in the postseason. and and understandably so. But to me, the first test of a manager is does he get his team to play for him, play in a fundamentally proper way, play with full effort. He has done that. He has done an amazing job, and hats off to him. He's been a great, great story in this postseason.
1: All right, so I know that we're going to have a lot of time to set up this World Series because it doesn't start till Friday, but is one of the key talking points going to be do the Astros need this World Series to legitimize what some believe was a cheating World Series. You're not going to
7: legitimize 2017. Sorry that. Happened and we reported on what happened and it's not going anywhere. It's not going to be erased. What it can show is the strength of the Astros since then and look at those records right there and look at how far they've gone Two World Series in the last three full seasons and this will be their third in the last four seasons. There are very few players remaining from 2017, only a couple, and it's a different time. They've served their penalty. They are a different team with different management for the most part. Their owners the same, but everybody else is pretty much different. So, from that perspective, what this shows, the fact that they are AL champions again is the strength of their organization and just how good they are and have been and Really, it also demonstrates that they didn't need to do what they did because they are such a powerhouse. So it's not going to legitimize it, Tim, but Mm -hmm. it certainly will legitimize this group, not that they even need that at this point.
1: Does the Yankees sweep change their offseason, Ken?
7: I don't know, and it's a good question. And it's a real test for them right now as an organization to reassess and try to figure out where they stand. We weren't talking like this in June when they had that amazing record, but they kind of fell apart. And certainly the distance between them and the Astros was quite evident throughout that ALCS. I mean, look at the numbers right there. It's a four game sweep. It's the third time they've lost to the Astros in the ALCS since 17. Of course, 17, yes, tainted. So they have to look at some things and they have to ask themselves do we need to go in somewhat of a different direction? I don't know if that means replacing brian cashman replacing aaron boone frankly the owner hal steinbrenner does not seem at all motivated to do anything like that but okay if that's the case if you want to stick with those guys and they have been very successful in their own way Mm -hmm. then maybe you need to start looking at some other areas to improve and that is something that's going to be a huge topic all offseason the judge re-signing
1: is also until he does resign. Do you think there's any chance that he gets out of the Bronx? I say the Bronx on purpose and not New York because there's another team in New York that will probably try and get in on this. And, and let's be honest, if they do get in on this, they could reshape the balance of power in New York baseball, which is shocking for me to even contemplate saying. But do you think there's any chance he leaves the Bronx? And what does it
7: look like monetarily? I do you think there's a chance, uh-huh. and if you had asked me a year ago at this time if I thought there was a chance Freddie Freeman would leave the Braves, I would have said no way, and they won the World Series. Right. So with Judge, they made an offer in spring training that he rejected. They went public with that offer, which, according to all accounts, did not sit well with him. And at this point, after a season in which he set the single-season home run record for the American League, he actually has much more leverage than he had before. So you might think, well, man, the Yankees can't afford to lose him. I would agree with that. He has proven he can play in New York and handle that crucible. But at the same time, once you get into free agency, and we've seen this time and again, once you're in the open market, every team with a chance to bid, things can happen. And maybe another team says, well, our number is going to be 320 and not 300 or 270. And maybe Judge says, you know what? I'm good I've had enough in New York I want to go somewhere else and make my mark there it's always possible so I don't know what the chances are of him staying they're probably better than not but at the same time I do not rule out the possibility that he will sign with another club I love it
1: I am here for it all Ken and I will be watching your Twitter account at Ken underscore Rosenthal the entire off season to figure it out and maybe uh Maybe even between now and Friday when we get, finally get the World Series underway. Is it too long, by the way? Are you, like, I know that these two series ended a little early, but Friday?
7: Well, the start of the World Series is set. Yeah, It's always going to be yeah. that date, the one they pick. So yeah. it's not like they can move it up. Right. Is it too Sponsors. long? I don't it's know. The Astros not. haven't played many games since no. October, but certainly... In the Phillies case they probably could use a couple of days to regroup and it's going to be the same for both teams so we don't want to hear any excuses about the layoff. (laughs) Having (laughs) the same exact situation. Let's play ball.
1: Let's play ball. Uh, Check out Ken's work at the Athletic MLB on Fox and on Twitter at Ken underscore Rosenthal. Kenny thanks for doing this. Always appreciate your input. Tim thank you. There is uh, Ken Rosenthal and I hope I said input. (laughs) <laughs> just my throat. All right, when we come back, it is a Monday tradition as we try and brighten your day with the plays of the week. We will do them all next right here. Tim and Friends, McCallum, Rubinoff. I'm trying to shake this bleeping thing. <clears throat> I powered right through it. I, heard it. I
2: heard it.
1: Third segment on a Monday. That's right, kids. Don't be scared we got the Plays of the Week coming your way. Uh, COVID the ball, Jesse and I, the defender.
2: <laughs> very good. Did you just come up with that right now? That's impressive.
1: Uh, not sure if the... What do you mean, that's impressive? That's what I do for a living. <laughs> that's
2: true, you do come up with a lot uh, off the dome piece. Is that a glizzy Crypto.com, rocket?
1: didn't think that one out. <laughs> that's good. Kind of looked a little different, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. A little that's, weird. Yeah. This looked and I'll say that much. You were off for this one. That's that's tasty, isn't it? I saw it. in oh, my ridiculous. eyes! <laughs> uh, Bruins league leading right now because of goals like this. This guy is so David nasty. Bastion. Oh, he's hot So unfair. That's a video game goal. Uh, Justin Danforth takes the Preds to Greektown.
2: So uh, Town. Huggies right had there. some nice some nice plays in the early going here. Not a lot of defense either. In the NHL, yeah. yeah. Lots of comebacks. Yeah, uh,
1: speaking of not a lot of defense, here's a great save by Jack Campbell. Right on Off two. of Yes, Barry Kaikian. Yeah. Oh, how about Anton Forsberg off of Marcus Johansson? Right on yeah. two. Not a lot right of defense in both now. And uh, by the way, Dylan Holloway. Watch out for the truck that's that very, it is Elya Lavushkin. That's very clean, right? That's oh clean. my it's goodness! perfect bot-
2: That's a perfect body check.
1: Uh, Pascal Siakam, good start to the year, triple double, and a little mountain lip for KD. I like hearing the Nets say that he
2: could average a triple double. Close. KD really is just
1: he 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 he's always full of praise unless it's someone on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's true. Donovan Mitchell uh, impression early Cleveland. Very good, averaging 33 points a game so far. Lakers and Warriors. Uh, LeBron can still dunk. As for the rest of the Lakers, oh, that's so sad. The, I don't uh, know if it's sad. How about this promotion in Philadelphia, mm. where if the player misses both free throws? Everyone gets free chicken nuggets. I'll tell you who's a fan. Stan Van Gundy's a fan.
5: It's a better chance than Grayson Allen. I want to know ahead of time, if he misses this, does Mike credential get me the free nuggets? Stan, it's it's very impressive to see your priorities in order
3: late in this fourth quarter.
2: I'm excited right now.
3: There is chicken on the line and a lead for the Bucks. There's chicken.
2: Three chickens. Amazing. Yeah. Eat more chicken sign in the background. <laughs> uh,
1: this is Marvin Jones Jr. Do you feel like the one-handed catches are now just another thing that right receivers can do? Yep. George Pickens. Well, George Pickens. This is two hands, but it's the
2: tap. Well, I didn't even know that was coming next. It's it. the two feet. Yeah, that was. Just makes you go, mmm. Just appreciate it. That is poetic. Yeah. Uh... Let's
1: pull one out for Brees Hall. So, no. Having such a great season. Jets are 5-2. If you don't know, he's out ACL. It's
2: brutal. It is brutal. Williams first, now him. It's brutal.
1: And as we showed you last week, uh, Padres fans (laughs) certainly passionate about the team, but we regret to inform you, Cringe has always been a part of the Padres.
6: Always. San Diego. Oh, no.
0: Loves the Padres San Diego
1: If you thought
2: it was
0: Who new. Loves the Padres. <laughs> no.
2: How long ago is this? Oh.
0: Now let me welcome everybody to the
7: NL West, where the SD Padres about to prove they the best. Oh,
0: Doctor oh. fans
7: at card, but we know you're all pressed. That manny hopped on the five and drove south when he left. We're America's finest
0: city, you're full of smog and ass.
7: When the chargers moved it, prove you just picked our trash. In Petco,
0: the nicest place you've ever seen. Feeling like I'll get stabbed such of review. <laughs> I've seen
7: three-year-olds try to eat their own play-doh, but they still choke less than Kershaw.
1: Uh, I'll give the older dudes credit. I think they embraced their cringe.
2: But they did it again.
1: Those kids? I don't know if they knew they were cringe. No. Coming up, Jeff Merrick joins the party. Plenty to discuss across the NHL. We'll get to the building frustration in Vancouver. Carey Price's future. Sidney versus Connor tonight. Stick around, please.
0: Sports talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Back your hour number
1: two, Tim and friends. Full hour across the board ahead of the Raptors and Heat Sportsnet 360. Also available for your viewing pleasure on Sportsnet Ontario and Pacific. Alvin Williams will join us later on as well. Donovan Bennett in studio, Rich Gannon, former NFL MVP, and Jeff Merrick, my personal MVP, will be by in a couple of minutes. Tons to talk about in the National Hockey League, including Carey Price, who met with the media this afternoon in Montreal. The 35-year-old continues to deal with a long-term knee injury, leaving his future on the ice very much up in the air. Some speculated that Price may retire today, but he shot those rumours down early while admitting he has a long road ahead to get back on the ice in the NHL.
0: We'll have to... Uh... You know, like to kind of really just take it step by step. I don't, uh you know, I don't have like a uh, plan to retire right at this moment. I'm just trying to, uh you know, right now, my goal is to just be pain free from day to day. You know, I'm still having some issues getting up and down stairs and, you know, carrying my kids up and down stairs is, uh, is difficult. So my first priority is just to get my body and a, and a place to where I'm pain-free in my day-to-day living and go from there.
1: A lot of folks cheering for him to get back on the ice, just to go out on his terms. Uh, bad news for the Sens, Josh Norris will be out at least two weeks with a shoulder injury. Norris' has one goal this season after signing an eight-year extension over the summer. The Sens have won three straight after their 0-2 start and host pretty good star squad tonight in Ottawa lots of hand-wringing in vancouver as the canucks host the canes tonight excuse me still looking for their first win of the season they're the only winless team in the national hockey league and there were jerseys on the ice during saturday's home opener a 5-1 loss to the Sabres. the hits keep coming today quinn hughes now listed as week to week with his lower body injury brock besser day to day he will miss tonight's game here's jt miller on the Canucks fans throwing their jerseys. They want to throw their on the ice. It's up to them.
0: Does it leave a mark though?
1: Does it bother you guys? That happens in a home I, I, got, I don't know. It's more of the same here. I guess
4: I got a job to do. I'm not worried about if people want to come to the game, pay all that money, and throw their jersey on the ice. Go ahead. I don't I mean, I got a job to do. Um, I'm worried about beating the Hurricanes today and having a good start to the game and us really trying to come together as a team, not whether people want to toss their gear on the ice or not.
0: We want to play our asses off. and. And uh, hopefully everybody understands that we're, we're trying our best to win. We all want to win. There's nobody out here that's sitting there saying, hey, listen, we don't, you know, whatever happens, happens. We're going out there to win every game. It just hasn't happened yet.
1: Five Canadian teams in action across the league tonight. Hockey Central comes to your way, 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific on Sportsnet, East, West, and one followed by Connor McDavid and the Oilers. Hosting Sidney Crosby and the Penguins, still a marquee matchup in this league. The Jets host the Blues. Now, Rick Bonus had to cut his media availability short today as he was suffering from dizzy spells, having just come back from COVID uh, a couple uh, a couple minutes ago, maybe an hour ago. The Jets announced that he will not be behind the bench tonight. Obviously, wish him the best as well, and in oh. Vegas, Phil Kessel will play his 989th straight game, tying Keith Yandel for the most all-time, a.k.a. the NHL Ironman streak. Phil Kessel. Fittingly, it will happen against the Leafs. Yesterday, Austin Matthews had this to say about Philly, Philly Hot Dog
2: look at him you wouldn't think he'd be uh, he'd be that that guy the iron iron man streak but um, you know obviously he's had an incredible career he's a lot of fun to watch a lot of fun to be around too it's offensive
1: (laughs) is is it really (laughs) or is it just what everyone is actually thinking and doesn't actually say yeah but he's Austin Matthews so I guess you can but let's be honest Phil also plays the game on the periphery yeah, he's not banging in the corners very no, much. He's not no. putting himself He's a risk. wonderful player. I have had his back repeatedly, including in hot dog gate because the guy scores goals. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't exactly play the Keith Yandel type game. No. And I'm not just saying that because Keith Yandel's on the team and will be on Monday Night nice. to Hockey Tonight. nice.
2: Still very impressive, though. Right, like, so- just have a day off. Oh, no, without a doubt. Given what he's overcome
1: in his career, let's not forget what happened in Boston with Phil Kessel, undoubtedly, undoubtedly. All right, Jeff Merrick joins us now from the home studio. Jeffy, what's going on, buddy? How are you?
5: Timmy, how are you? Jesse, good evening. How are you guys doing today? I just love the fact that uh, that Phil Kessel is going to become the Iron Man. Has (laughs) he always played on the perimeter? Yeah, has he been a peripheral player? But here, to me, has been the greatness of having Phil Kessel on any team, and that is... Goals are hard to score in the NHL. Like, they're really hard. And when you're on a team where you have to grind for every single goal, man, it takes it out of you. One of the biggest luxuries I've always felt you can have on your team is someone that has the ability just to skate down the ice and snap one in. Right. It takes all the pressure off. It's like, oh, thanks. Phil just got a couple. Phil just, you know, Phil just took all the pressure off all the heat off. And when he finds the right spot and the, you know, the sweet spot of the bat was always, you know, him playing third line with the Pittsburgh Penguins could have made a con Smythe trophy, yep. you know, candidate argument for a fill at that point. Uh That was probably the, the, the best spot for him to be in ever in his career. It's a luxury when you have a guy that can just come in and snap in goals and you don't, I'll be blunt. You don't have to work for them just comes down <laughs> yeah. the wing and that shot is ridiculous yeah. and these any he scores it takes all the pressure off yeah. i i and if i could say one thing i'm just jump, jumping all over the place here yeah. can i get one thing in about keith yandel and the philadelphia flyers yes please so one thing that i don't want to be lost here about keith yandel and the flyers last year so yandel sets the iron man mark mm-hmm. and there were plenty of times before that where a lot of people said I'm not sure whether Yandel should still be in the lineup at this point. And then he breaks the record, but they kept playing him. And I asked someone in Philadelphia why they did that. And they said, out of respect to Keith, we wanted to make sure because we knew that Phil Kessel was going to catch him. You know that eventually he's going to catch him. We wanted to give Keith Yandel enough runway that Phil Castle couldn't catch him in the season last year so right. he could enjoy the rest of the season as the Iron Man and enjoy his, at least one summer. Of being the Iron Man in the NHL, I thought that was a, a real classy touch by the Philadelphia. Yeah, Flyers.
1: Yeah, it is a nice touch, and I didn't know yeah. that, so I appreciate yeah. you bringing that to the table. So, okay, these are all nice stories: Phil Kessel, Iron Man, yeah. Keith Yandle, uh, Philadelphia yeah. Flyers. A little tip of the cap. I love it. <laughs> What's your best guess on the Vancouver Canucks at this juncture in time, Jeff Merrick?
5: Ooh. Boy, best guess at what as to, to what happens. What happens tonight? What's the future? Do they uh, do they tear it down? All or of the above. Connor Bedard.
1: All of Who the knows? above, my friend. You
5: know, I'll I'll tell you what. Um, Blessed Jim Rutherford. He could have gone. You know, he could have said, Yeah, you know what? I'm not doing the interview with Scott on Saturday on, on after hours. But yep. uh, but he did. Uh, he showed up, and Scott did a great job answering, you know, asking all the appropriate questions, and and good on Rutherford. Uh, he answered them. I think there's a lot of decisions that are being weighed right now in Vancouver. Like, I think it'd be ridiculous for us to assume that they're not having the coaching conversation right now, that they're not thinking about other candidates. Like we all love Bruce Boudreaux. I mean, everyone, I mean, he's been in the NHL for, I mean, you've talked to Bruce, I'm sure countless times. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one of the most lovable people in the world, but you know, even Bruce would understand that you know, I'm sure those conversations are happening. You know, what do we do if we move, move off, from Bruce Boudreau. How many times have you heard structure coach, structure coach and the names like Claude Julian and Barry Trotz pop up? Um, I think they're probably having those conversations. I think they're probably having the conversations as ridiculous as it may sound early in the season. You know, I wonder if they're having the conversations about Connor Bedard as well. Like when you dig a hole early in the season, it's really hard to dig yourself out of it, even mm. though they're only a few points. They know out that. of a playoff spot right now. It's tough to yeah. dig yourself out. Uh, we know how Connor Bedard feels about the Vancouver Canucks, and I'm sure the Vancouver Canucks would love to have someone like Connor Bedard in their lineup next season. Uh, again, it's a lottery, so you place your bets on it. Right. I know they don't want to go through a rebuild, and I understand. Like they don't. Sorry, they don't want to go through like an Arizona. Chicago style rebuild where you strip everything down and the goal is to lose and give yourself the best lottery odds. And eventually you, uh, you accrue enough talent. You can put together, you know, an, an elite level squad. They don't want to, they do desperately don't want to do that, but I'll tell you, Tim, like the point that I've been trying to make over the last little while is I don't think Vancouver does. Like they don't need to take a strip it down to the nuts and bolts when you have a look at what they have already. As long as you do it on the timeline of like Pedersen and Hughes, you have a goaltender who's elite. I know he's having a soft start to the season, but Thatcher Demko is one of the best goaltenders in the NHL. You have Quinn Hughes and you have up the gut, you have Elias Pedersen and you have Bo Horvat. Like, is that not like the beginnings of as long as you do it on their timeline and only bring in players that complement that timeline? Does that not look like kind of what the Rangers did, like a rebuild on the fly? Announce the the fans, you're going to do a rebuild, but you still hang on to Kreider and Lundqvist and like a lot of your key players. You get some lottery luck, too, but like it kind of feels like this is the way the Vancouver Canucks can go. There's just got to be some painful decisions along the way, though.
1: Yeah, I compared it to the Tampa tank for the Toronto Raptors where they had been good, not good enough, and then they go to Tampa and they have one bad year and they get Scotty Barnes.
5: You you know what the the really difficult thing is here, too, is it's one thing to be a bad team and have a lot of cap flexibility. Look at Chicago, look at Arizona. I know. If you're a bad team and you're capped out, yeah, it's, it's hard.
1: Man. The, the one thing that surprises you know me here, word. Merrick, is that we asked Canucks fans, "Are you ready for the rebuild now?" After Rutherford's com- comments, and no. right now, over 1,100 votes, 70 percent are saying yes, do it. And I know the, the handle is Tyler Rebuild but, the Canucks. Yeah. <laughs> he says, "I I think the second answer should be no. It's late because most fans have been waiting 10 years for the rebuild yeah. now." With that being said, yes, do it is the, still the obvious choice. I can't believe how it, many. I, I know it's split in Vancouver, but yeah. I can't believe how many of them are saying, "Do it with the pieces in that
6: room."
5: Okay, here's the here's the follow-up poll. Okay, yep. this would be this would be interesting as well, complementing what you've already done. Would you still buy tickets if they rebuild? Oh yeah, because send that, that out, boys. Don't don't forget. <laughs> yeah, that that's yep. a big one. It's one thing to oh yeah, sure we'll rebuild. Will you still buy tickets? Well, no. Yeah. So your ownership yeah, is that's a great, oh, point. That's great. you you ought to rebuild, that's fine. Will you still come to the games? Like there's some markets that will like look am trying to make beliefs of the 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 prime example. Right. Like they went through it, Marner and Matthews, we went through the the entire saga and we know how they got there. Fans still went. Right. The yeah. the follow up is and this is the question that you know is talked about at the president's level and certainly the owner's level as well. It's one thing to say, yeah, you know what, we need to rebuild and tear this thing down. Well, how much is that going to cost us? Knowing we just went through COVID and we've already lost a ton of money. It's wanting to say, yeah, we need to rebuild. The follow-up is always, if the team does rebuild, will you still buy a ticket? That's the big one. Uh, Last
1: one for you. You brought up the Leafs and it just reminds me of how many times the Leafs uh, stars have been run over the last little while. I was talking about it against the Dallas Stars, and then they dress Wayne Simmons, and it still happens against Winnipeg. Are you worried? long I'm not worried about long-term where the Leafs are going to finish, even with their injury so far. I still think they're a good team. This yeah. worries me a little bit, Jeff, that they can't sustain their stars taking these kinds of hits for 82.
5: Are you worried? Here's the, here's the thing, though. This is what playoff hockey is. Like you're watching Mitch Marner and white blood off his face. You're looking at guys. Like think of think of what Tampa, the Tampa Bay Lightning are the best example. Mm-hmm. Look what Tampa's put themselves through. Oh, look at that hit, right? And then who comes who comes in? Of course. As Morgan we all Riley. predicted, Morgan Riley. <laughs> yeah. We all thought the big but Logan Stanley and Wayne Simmons, here we go. No, Josh Morrissey and Morgan Riley are throwing down on Saturday. But look at what look at what teams like the Tampa Bay Lightning put their bodies through in the playoffs. Like you may not like it, but this is this is the kind of stuff that happens in the playoffs all the visuals that you're showing here right now Mm -hmm. and to me it's like if you if you can't handle it like i'm i'm sorry there's no stanley cup for you like by the time you get there you have to be able to make those sacrifices to play that style of hockey and if you can't then you have a problem now can you sustain that to your point i think it's a really good one can you sustain that when guys are running at you 82 times a year no that's a that's a real tough slog but i look at it and i say Tampa has the, okay, next man up mentality. And that's why they're successful. Right. No passenger mentality. That's why they're successful. To me, it's like, all right, can you hang in that high rent district? Because that's what playoff hockey is like.
1: Yeah, and I wonder if the Leafs have the same sort of depth that Tampa has had to deal with that kind of next man up mentality. Merrick, always love what you bring to the table. And uh, I will text you when we find out whether or not Vancouver Canucks fans who asked for the rebuild will pay for tickets during (laughs) said rebuild. Thanks, buddy. Always appreciate it. Be good, Timmy. See you, Jesse. There is Jeff Merrick. You can check out uh, 32 Thoughts, the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. She's like the stores, right? Where
2: do you get your podcast from? iTunes? Where do I get my podcast from? Yeah, you go to iTunes? Do no, you go to Spotify? I have, Spotify an, app. Or I have you... an app called Overcast. Oh, even, fancy. even fancier than fancy. that. You All can right. do like a voice boost. You can speed it up to whatever speed you want. I know most can do that, but this is yeah. like, you can be very particular, uh, which I like. Okay. Like 1.27 speed. 1.36. Okay. All right, after the break, <laughs> Donovan Bennett will jump in
1: studio. For the remainder of the show, we'll be joined by Rich Gannon to get the former MVP's thoughts on the ongoing struggles of a pair of MVPs. Two-time reigning MVP Aaron Rodgers and three-time MVP Tom Brady. Talking football next on Tim and Friends. Where do you get your to Apple. My next guest is going to spend the rest of the hour in the studio because, frankly, we need the help. SN host, writer, producer, podcaster, yes. the lovely and talented Donovan Bennett is in the studio. What's so going on, Donovan? Play to the camera, a little wink, a what little up? gun
4: show. What's what going up? On? How are you? I'm well, thank you.
1: I, you came in last week, and as you were leaving, I said, hey... Do you ever want to come in and co-host? I, I just figured that you were too busy. And you said, talk to your bookers. And then <laughs> yeah. like, two days later, I'm, I'm bingo, bango bongo, you're in the your studio. People. I love Call it. Call my
4: people. Yeah, we can make it happen. Are you worried about Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? Can I have both? Can we do, like, the Scantron or it's the multiple, multiple? Oh, you're going uh, D, all the above? My guys who are have... Jacket's waiting for them. They're Mm -hmm. hall of famers. Yes. Uh, Like unlike Scotty Barnes, who still has to work for his jacket. Although I know it's an inside joke. Um, My guys, they they, they both got beat by ex-fellow alumni. Yes. This past week. That's where we are. Yes. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm concerned Heike about both.
1: P.J. Walker. All right, so we'll ask an MVP about the MVPs in oh, you know, a flash. But encapsulating an entire weekend of football in a couple segments is harder than going to Timmy's and ordering a fruit punch and 12 fritter Timbits with a straight face. I do it with a smile. That's why it's hard. (laughs) So we came up with Timmy's top five. That's that's Donovan's order. Top five things you may have missed in week seven of the National Football League, complete with a million-dollar opening.
0: Timmy's top five from the NFL this week.
1: The NFC West was supposed to be the toughest division in football, so I guess it only makes complete sense that the Seattle Seahawks, who might I remind you, traded away Russell Wilson and had a quarterback competition between Drew Locke and Geno Smith, are tops in the division. I'm not saying it stays that way. The DK Metcalf injury is big, but we're seven weeks in and it looks like Seattle not only won the deal, they stole the deal. And after a great draft this year, they also hold Denver's top two picks for next year. The rewards could be, dare I say, unlimited. And I know the Devontae Adams deal didn't pay immediate dividends either. But before you go writing off the Raiders, consider this. Even at two and four, the next four opponents have a losing record. Number five is Seattle. In fact, ESPN's Power Football Index favors Las Vegas to win nine of its last 11 games. And oh, by the way, Josh Jacobs is becoming a beast again. Number three, not a deal that the Niners traded for a running back, only to give up 44 on over nine yards of play at home to the Chiefs. It was the fifth most points San Fran has ever given up in a home game and have now allowed 72 points in their last two after allowing just 61 over their first five games. This could get ugly this year. They just aren't good enough with Jimmy G. The only saving grace for the Niners and the reach for Run CMC in my mind, is that Trey Lance should be ready for next year. Number four on our list earlier this week, Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow said that this three-game stretch against the Falcons, Browns, and Panthers was going to define Cincinnati's season. Then Joe Cool went 34-42 for 481 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and ran for another. Burrow threw four picks in week one and has 16 touchdowns to one interception since. Don't look now, but Joe Cool might be starting another legendary run, or at least a slow saunter. And number five is a warning to all mascots who think they're tough. The kids aren't taking your bleep anymore. The Falcons mascot, Freddie the Falcon, got away with a warning. But let this be a lesson to you. Stop trying to act cool by dominating these halftime games. The tide is turning, my friends. The kids are turning. Freddie barely escaped. I don't know if you noticed that.
4: I love that. I love that. I love that. I, I just love mascots.
1: <laughs> Dude, but I, Yeah, they need to stop hitting the kids so hard or the kids got to start ganging up on the... All right, let's get to Rich Cannon. The MVP doesn't need to put through uh, Freddie the Falcon. Rich, how are you? Thanks for doing this.
3: Guys, it's great to with both of you. Of course, I love when the mascot goes ballistic. That's pretty, pretty wild stuff with a, a youth football game.
1: Uh, all right, so, uh, so let's start with what we were talking to Donovan about. And we got to ask the MVP about the MVPs. Are you worried about either or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady?
3: Yeah, I'm worried about both. I mean, you know, the Packers have lost three straight. The the Bucs have lost four of the last five. And both the quarterbacks don't look right. I mean, you you just do the eye check, eye test, and, you know, they don't look comfortable. I I start with Aaron Rodgers. You know, they reshuffled the offensive line. David Bakhtiari didn't play. He averaged 5.5 per attempt, which is the fewest uh, in in, uh, this season. And he's not pushing the ball down the field, guys. And I I think you look at the additions that they've had, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, 33 catches in seven games. They're just not getting any production there. They missed Devontae Adams. They didn't have Randall Cobb, and the quarterback doesn't look right. In Tampa, it's very much a similar situation. I mean, there's been so much change along the offensive line. There's been injuries to wide receiver position, suspension. Uh, They're not running the football very well. And, you know, they've gone eight straight games where they haven't scored a first-quarter touchdown. I mean, yesterday, could you imagine – Tom Brady, 11 drives, six punts, no touchdowns, and three points yeah. against a very mediocre Carolina defense. I mean, something's not right. Two of 12 on third down, one of three on fourth down. I mean, they only reached the red zone once, and it had settled for a field goal. And, I mean, they, they can keep talking all they want about, you know, what they've done in the past. It's time to put up or shut up. And I think both teams are, are in dire dire trouble, and, and both have a chance to miss the postseason.
4: Hmm. Well, you talk about that past, and I think people see that they're healthy, they see the same uniforms, see number 12, and they think, okay, they'll get it right. But Sue and JPP aren't walking through that door. No. Gronk and 60% of that offensive line that was dominant isn't walking through that door. And on Wednesdays, Tom Brady is not walking through that door. <laughs> so, for a guy who was all about the preparation and the details, the fact that he seems, and Tim alluded to this early in the show, a bit half in when you actually need more from that position, do you see this getting worse before it gets better because of the personnel around them?
3: it's a great point because, you know, your your teammates look to you and and they, they you know, I think with both of these quarterbacks, you know, the offseason is so important now. You're trying to develop young players in the roster, you're trying to develop these young receivers, and you're not part of the season program. You know, Tom Brady hasn't been part of the offseason program for a while, Aaron Rodgers goes to California in season; He's not in Green Bay anymore. And so that does affect, you know, how you come out of the gates. And I think the timing and the rhythm of the passing game is certainly an issue. I think it gets to confidence. I think both quarterbacks, believe it or not, we're talking about two of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game, are struggling right now with their confidence. And it's not unheard of. I mean, when you don't trust the protection, when you don't trust the receivers to be in the right place at the right time, when you don't trust the play entry, I think just some struggles there. I think Tom Brady's having some problems right now. With Byron Leftwich. I think you look at the the reactions from uh, Aaron Rodgers he's not comfortable with some of the plays that are coming in from Matt LaFleur it's not a good situation in Tampa Bay or Green Bay and I don't see light at the end of the tunnel
1: keeping our eyes on the Bays and also New York what's more shocking the Giants are six and one or the Jets are five and two Rich
3: I think the Giants I mean six and one I think Brian Dable's done a terrific job uh, Tim you know. I think he's instilled some confidence in this football team. I think he's instilled in them uh, some toughness and mental and physical toughness. They're, they're four and ones in games where they trailed in the fourth quarter. Uh, keep in mind, there were three and 58 in those games over the previous five seasons. They're on a four-game win streak. They're doing whatever they have to do to win. Daniel Jones, a career-high 107 rushing yards. Saquon Barkley may be the comeback player of the year. He had 110 rushing yards. I mean, they're playing, this is a physically and mentally tough football team. This is a team that, that believes they can go on the road, they can win, they can play anybody, anywhere, anytime and win. And that just simply hasn't been the case in years past with the Giants. And even Daniel Jones, I mean, he's making good decisions. He's, he's using his legs to make plays outside the pocket. They're not great at the wide receiver position, they're not great at the tight end position, but they're creatively finding ways to win. I give a lot of credit to Brian Dable.
4: Well, I'm fascinated when I look at Jones what Dayball has done with that offense, what Ken Dorsey continues to do with his former club, the Buffalo Bills, and that offense. Uh, Josh Allen, in terms of uh, touchdowns all time with the Bills, only behind Thurman Thomas and O.J. Simpson. He is the run game, but is that sustainable deep into November, December, January, February?
3: No, it can't be. I mean, I think he's done a better job. I think there's been a lot of conversation about Him not taking the unnecessary hits. When you get outside the pocket, when you run with the football, be smart. You know, I think he's trying to learn how to slide. That's not in his DNA. I mean, he's not the quarterback that's looking to get out of bounds or slide. He's looking to knock somebody backwards on the boundary. So, I mean, we love his toughness. Uh, We love his competitiveness. Most importantly, we love his ability to play all 17 regular season games into the postseason. There's no question in my mind that the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, who, who the Bills already beat, Those are two of the best teams in the AFC. I think you look at the Philadelphia Eagles and the NFC. They're the three best teams in professional football right now.
1: You know, it's funny you bring that up about Josh Allen because I was watching last night and I mentioned this to Jesse off the air before the show. I'm watching last night and I'm watching Kenny Pickett coming off the concussion, taking on Tua tunga coming off the concussions, and he's lowering his head and trying to get extra yardage. And I'm thinking, listen, I-, I get it. You're trying to instill something in your teammates. You're trying to win a game. You were 3-0, and and after those first three drives, they they really struggled to move the football I'm asking you, Rich, because I know that you came into the league. You were dual threat. You, you could do a little bit of both. How hard is it to tell a guy like Josh Allen, a guy like Kenny Pickett, a guy like Tua, who that's part of the weaponry. Even even Lamar Jackson. I think they've tried to do that a little bit with him, and it's hurt the team this year. How much? How hard is that as a quarterback at the highest level to say all right I'm going to slide or I'm not going to run as much because I know that I need to save myself.
3: Tim all you have to do is create a a highlight reel all you have to do is put a reel together each and every week of quarterbacks getting hit and and violent hits outside the pocket I say all the time there's consequences to your actions if you're going to run as a quarterback these defensive backs these linebackers these safeties their eyes are like saucers when they see you running they're looking for the knockout shot you got to be smart. You know, you got to you have to know that your best ability is your availability, your ability to play every week. That's that's gives your team the best chance of winning. So, you know, I'm not gonna discourage Josh Allen from taking off and running. It's a big part of his game, his ability to extend plays, his ability to run for first downs. But you gotta be smart in doing so. And I you can't, you know, you can't put yourself ahead of the team. And you know, I I just think some of these quarterbacks, we see it every week, you know, guys taking even Tua. I mean, there's no reason why Tua should lower his head in a game last night against the Pittsburgh Steelers and take those big hits. He's got he's to be
4: smarter than that. Well, all the Kansas City Chiefs had to do was give Patrick Mahomes half a billion dollars. And say, <laughs> it's not guaranteed, though. you got to make it to the end of the contract. Because he's found that balance yeah. nicely. But in but terms of balance, what Andy Reid has done without Tyreek Hill, uh, with the cast of guys and running the football out of those deep looks... It's really the opposite of what we've seen in Green Bay, not being able to have the humility to evolve their game without Devontae Adams. This is crazy to say, but are the Chiefs offensively better now than they were at this time Hmm. a year ago?
3: Donovan, they may be. I think what was really apparent to me yesterday watching the game was the team speed of of the Chiefs' offense. I mean, and their play speed. I mean, you watch after the catch, you know, whether it's a running back, whether it's a tight end, whether it's the receivers, they're explosive. They're dynamic. They're hard to tackle, hard to get on the ground. And you know they have a lot of team speed, and I think they come at you so many different ways. Andy Reid doesn't get enough credit for the job he does as the primary play caller. He's a great head coach. We know about that, all the success that he's had. But his ability to build a game plan around the people that they have. I mean, the two young running backs have been a great example of that this year, how they're interchangeable, uh, how they've been able to – add a couple receivers, lose Tyreek Hill, one of the best receivers in football, and add a couple other receivers, Valdez Scantling uh, and Juju Smith-Schuster, and still you know, not lose the production from an offensive standpoint. And, of course, the quarterback is the guy that makes it all go. No quarterback has put up better numbers in his first 70 games in the history of professional football than Patrick Mahomes. You look at yards, you look at completions, you look at touchdowns, uh, he is absolutely on a record pace right now. And the defense, as good as San Francisco's defense is, they got embarrassed yesterday by Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs.
1: That's unbelievable. It came into the game uh, number one in yards against, number two in points against, and the Chiefs on the road hang 44 on them. Uh, Rich, great talking MVPs with the former MVP. Thanks for bringing your, uh, your intelligence and your perspective to the conversation.
3: You guys are the best. Thanks for having
1: yeah, me. There is Rich Gannon. You can see his work on CBS Sports Network and the team wherever
2: you get your podcasts. Nice. Apple.
4: Overcast. <laughs> I love how Donald, he signs off Where do off you, all you get your
2: podcasts from?
4: Uh, I'm, I'm an Apple uh, podcast player guy. Oh, yeah. It's just uh, easier
1: that way, isn't it? Uh, yeah. It's, it's in a normal
4: speed. works well. At, speaking of which... Uh, my grandparents are calling me. Should I? Should we take this break and I'll yeah, we'll answer? We'll take the
1: break, okay. uh, Donovan. Sam, we gotta go. All right. Uh, after the break, we'll head to school. Does they
4: know you're on TV right now? Evidently not. Or they just disagree with something I said. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, grandpa big sports fan. I know that yes. for a fact. Yes. All right. Answer.
1: We'll be back talking to Alvin Williams now.
4: Hey, granddad. You like Tim more than Sid? I know. <laughs> I know you.
0: I tell you one thing, when we go down to Miami, a heck of a game usually breaks out. They're like us, they're feisty and play hard. We gotta really lace it up and the two teams really go at it.
7: Shot doesn't go Coloco in a foul and now Martin
0: and Coloco. Coloco's not messing around. It spills out into the crowd. Tensions flaring here. Martin stood right up over top of Koloko. What is he, doing? what what is
7: he doing? Martin definitely incited that. Completely unnecessary. They have both been ejected from the game. That's ridiculous. What did Koloko do? The guy got shoved into a chair.
0: He had a guy flexing over top of him. And talking smack. Don't forget, these two teams play again Monday night. Adds a little spice to this matchup.
1: I think Matt and Jack agreed with that. (laughs) It was a spirited affair in Miami. Raptors lost another close one. They're back at it tonight. Sportsnet Ontario Pacific and 360. Caleb Martin, unfortunately for me, suspended for his role in that melee. Meanwhile, Chris Boucher set to make his season debut after missing the first three games with a hamstring injury. However, Scotty Barnes out with the sprained ankle. Considered day-to-day, aren't we all? Nick Nurse met with the media a short time ago and said he's expecting another hard-fought game tonight.
4: Well,
0: was, I think we've been in three, three-point or less games in three, day, three nights, so it, not for the faint heart, it's not for the faint-hearted this year, Doug. <laughs> the East is not for the faint-hearted.:
1: Tim McAuliffe, Donovan Bennett and of course, Jesse Rubinoff here with you, joining us now from Miami tough gig Alvin Williams courtside for game number two Raptors and he what's going on Al? how are you man are you enjoying South Beach I sure am a little <laughs> too much maybe but uh, hey
6: I can't complain
1: you got the South Beach suit on I'll tell you that much looking how sharp it, how today
6: does look? how does it look because I feel South Beach I feel it I feel it baby <laughs> that's
4: that's prime 112 that's live. Yeah. I'm not waiting in line. That's yeah. what that suit says.
6: I'm not waiting in you line. You know what? Yeah. I didn't even I didn't even make it down to prime this time. I, <laughs> I haven't been down in a little bit, but that's
1: my old stomping grounds. <laughs> uh, are you worried about the Raptors one and two start,
6: Alvin? No, not at all. Um, I think the biggest thing is the Eastern Conference is so tough, and you're going to have these days. I like the effort that the team has been putting out against the Brooklyn Nets on the road. Fighting against, it seemed like the Nets were a desperate team, yeah. but fighting you see how they're playing, being down 24, getting in late, trust me, I was on that plane, getting in late, then having a game against a physical Miami team that's also desperate for a win, and then coming back from a 24-point deficit and still fighting. And that's the biggest thing. I'm not disappointed with the outcome right now because they are putting up the consistent effort, and I see Pascal leading the charge. And if Scotty Barnes get back and he's more healthy, I think the team would be in be in a good position to gain some momentum early on.
4: It's fascinating because Alvin goes to process over outcome mm-hmm. and likes what he's seeing. And I think that's relatively true with this team, whether they're a two and one or even three and zero. Oh. But Alvin, with that, it's so hard to gauge what expectations should be, right? In the East, certainly, yeah. uh, Brooklyn just don't embarrass yourself again. Milwaukee, Philly, uh, and Boston win a championship what is success for this raptors team what do you think the goal should be
6: Now, you, honestly success you got to ask them right I, I believe that this team is a better team than last year and i believe the expectations are high i have high expectations for this team but i also realize that the eastern conference is very tough once again and i believe it's going to come down to health you have so many teams that are close in, in talent and and the ability to win a championship or even put themselves in that position Who's going to stay the healthiest and who's going to be able to perform at a higher level for the longest or for the longest duration? So I believe the Raptors are right there. They'll be able to compete, you've seen already, but once again, it's very early. The Raptors still don't have Otto Porter. Chris Boucher is coming back. So once they get the whole roster and then they'd be able to implement their style of play throughout the course of the season. It's going to show a big difference because the bench is deeper and you still have that physical defense and able to switch and guard that's going to be really critical for the Raptors success.
1: I was saying in the first block of the show Alvin that I was kind of upset that Caleb Martin was suspended because I thought it was it was worth taking it back to the old school with Martin and it wasn't just the colloquial thing uh, in January last season this year he shoved Scotty Barnes from behind in what I thought was a, a pretty cheap shot down by the baseline. But that kind of stuff doesn't really happen anymore, does it?
6: No, nah, not too much. I mean, you have some players that's fighting for spots, and that they play in a desperate state of mind. They, every, they have to do everything that they need to do to stay on a roster, to stay in this league. And if you talk about a Miami Heat team who's ran by, who's led by a Pat Riley, Strictly old school. Strictly loves the physicality, and that's what the Miami Heat's pretty made up of. Is pretty much made up of. So when you have a Martin that's taking that identity to be that type of guy, or whatever the case may be, I don't see anything wrong with it. I like that feistiness. I like, but it has to be matched, and it has to be. You can't cower, and you can't. And the Raptors definitely did not do that. You so still could look a little get up, and he stood his ground, and whatever took place after that took place. But the Raptors responded as a team and they fought all the way back to give themselves a chance to win. So, once again, that's a testament to the team, and that's the character trait of the Toronto Raptors team. But I take my hat off to Martin because, you know, he's doing what he needs to do to stay in his league.
1: All right, so let me, let me follow up with this because my favorite thing uh, with Alvin Williams on the road is to ask him Charles Oakley stories. Uh, strictly away from the game, if Charles Oakley is on the floor today and that happened last game, what happens today?
6: I don't, I don't know, man. I, I really don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Charles Oakley is going to, you know, it's a little, little uh, going to go head hunting or anything like that. But it's definitely going to be a physical game, and right. everyone's going to stand up for it. you. Know you're coming into this game, and it's going to be physical, just like the players today know. All these players know that it's going to be a physical game every time these teams meet it's always physical and i love it this is more like a playoff atmosphere yeah the chippiness and then guess what they played on saturday and then they play again on monday home court advantage and those type of things that's a playoff playoff atmosphere so the the, the intensity is going to be there and every player is going to step up and they know what the potential is when, when it comes to the physical part but you know oakley he, he wasn't backing down he wasn't starting anything but he definitely was going to finish it.
4: I love that we showed some B-roll just as a baseline yeah. what real, what, actual NBA fracases looked like when yeah. we were kids. Because, no Alvin, you allowed. know, this is the hold-me-back Olympics that we have. No <laughs> one's really – you walk into the arena wearing Versace, you're not trying to fight. If you're making guaranteed money with your hands, you're not trying to fight. So let's let's really table set on what we're watching here.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No no one, no one's fighting basketball players, not fighters or boxers or UFC. No, nah, so you got you got a small percentage of guys. And you talk about an Oakley. Uh, Oakley where Charles would not only be on the court, it would be in the locker room. It would be in a restaurant if he saw you with your family on Easter. Like, wherever he saw you, it's going to be on site. So a lot of people don't want that type of problem. Really? Every time I see this six 6'9 big dude, I got to get my butt kicked, or we got to rumble. Nah, so a lot of times you keep it on the court. Yeah. You do a lot of posturing and then you finish the game and go home and shake hands in the back, in the back or something well, like that.
4: rumor has it was also at an uh, NBA board meeting. Was it not uh, when, when he saw another player um, that, that maybe he had a It didn't a change, Al. He did, he did he, not change. Oak, That's the beauty
1: of Oak, right? Like, it doesn't matter if it was a board exactly. meeting or Easter dinner with your family. Oak was the
4: Oak showing up. Well, I mean, before we let you go, though, someone who has not changed and also willing to fight, uh, Russell Westbrook. Uh, who is fighting backboards right now. 28% from the floor, 8% from three. Uh, To me, I almost appreciate that he is who he is, love him or hate him. But can this continue with him on that roster, kind of coming off the bench? Because his value can't be going up based off this, can it?
6: No, his value is definitely not going up. And and it's it's, it's amazing, right, because what we're witnessing – As well, players that's not at Russell Westbrook's status or the caliber of his ability all the time. Psychologically, sometimes you get in your way. You you have some doubt. Right now, he's not playing with the confidence that we know him to play with. Of course, he plays with the intensity. Of course, we can all put up that front. But when it's time to make a shot and you're wide open and you're you're struggling you're hearing a noise, when you start hearing that noise in your mind, it, it impacts your game. And now you're talking about it's not a right fit for the with, on the roster, and what is he going to do later, and his value and everything. These are conversations that he hasn't heard probably since he was in high school as the underdog, coming to the league, take the league by storm, MVP. They talk about Hall of Fame, top 75, all of these things. So he has to adjust to where he really is in his career now. He doesn't. He didn't just become bad or. or or struggle this much in two years, right? Like something's going on there. So it's about him just regaining his composure, and really maybe it's a different location, but he has to do it. But it starts with the brain. It starts with psychologically. You have to put yourself back in that space where you know and you believe in your work and you believe in everything you're doing. But it goes through a lot of players lose their confidence a lot, but everyone's not as good as Russell Westbrook or going to get the same opportunities as a Russell Westbrook would.
1: Uh, you got to go. So this is a yes or no. Not a lot of folks know you have some baseball. In your background, are you a Phillies fan?
6: I want you to answer that, my friend. We're friends. I'm on the Tim and Friends show. You tell me, since we're friends, what am I? Uh, I, I, I don't. Know. I don't think you're a Phillies fan. <laughs> I'm not, man, and not. It's nothing against the sports team, the Phillies, the Flyers, the the, the Eagles, the Sixers. Well, not the. I don't like the Sixers. But <laughs> it's the fans. Yeah. It's the fan. I don't like the Philadelphia fans. The Philadelphia fans are arrogant. They're they're uh, they're rude. It's a lot of words I got for the Philadelphia fans, but those are two I'm gonna just use right now.
1: Uh, all right, the Philly kid is not a Philly fan. I appreciate you doing this, and one day we'll hash all that out. So we can have the conversation. But I know you gotta go work. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It's <laughs> Alvin Williams. That's amazing. Uh, a lot really? of the folks in the team. Our team here, behind the scenes, were like, he's a Philly guy, and they knew his his pops worked for Major League Baseball, so he's been to like All Star. He's had access to Major League Baseball, unlike he had to basketball before he was a player. Uh, But he is (laughs) not a Philadelphia sports fan. He
2: didn't answer that part of the question. I guess it was. I don't. I don't know who he roots for. Not the Phillies. Do you
1: see what he's talking about with Philadelphia?
4: Yes. In a word, yes.
1: Rude. Uh, but he'll go to the he'll Blue Horizon for sure. Uh, he's <laughs> a boxing fan, like, you know, old school Philadelphia.
4: They booed Santa Claus. They like, that's Santa. all you need to know. Yeah, they booed
1: Santa Claus. All right, time for one last break. Let's hit you out for the night of action with Game Time. Next in Tim and Friends, or whatever, whatever time we have left. Game Time. I like
4: Kevin Hart, though. He's a Philly guy. Philly guy, yeah. Seems nice. Yeah. Our Monday
1: tip of the cap goes to Montreal's Benedict Matherin, or Benedict Matherin, who headlines a pretty damn good crop of young Canadians in the NBA right now. I know it's early, but Matherin leads all rookies in points per game 24 through three. What's more impressive, he's doing it off the bench. In just 28 minutes a game, still not enough. How about this? He's shooting 52.1% from the floor, 52.4 from three. A 20-year-old who lost his brother when he was 15 and Ben was 12 honors big bro with a tattoo on his arm and some pretty damn impressive numbers. In fact, since 1980, only four rookies have scored more points through their first three games in the league. Jerry Stackhouse, Dominique Wilkins, Isaiah Thomas, and some <laughs> dude named Michael Jordan. That's enough for your tip of the cap.
4: Very good. That part. Damn. Not bad,
1: eh? All right, your game day always starts with Tim and the friends in that game day. Today might not be another sports equinox, but it's pretty damn good. Connects to Chinese, the pressure at home tonight with the Canes in town, Sportsnet 1 and 360. Connor McDavid versus Sidney Crosby, Pens versus Oilers, it's on Sportsnet 1. And locally, and there are two of six, those are two of six games in the NHL featuring five Canadian teams tonight. Of note, Monday Night Raw goes to OLN and Sportsnet now because of the busy schedule tonight. While the Raptors try and even their record at two and two. The second of two in South Beach against the Heat. Unfortunately, Caleb Martin suspended for tonight. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. But each of the last five meetings between the Raptors and the Heat have been decided by five points or fewer. It's game time, kids. What
0: time is it? <laughs>
1: Tim McAuliffe, Donovan Bennett in studio and Jesse Rubinoff takes over for this game time. This is my time. first game time. This is your first game time. It's changed from last call but game time, a Made subtle, a a subtle change, but Jesse is here for
2: it if he's not coughing. Nobody told me that, so here we go. Hey. Game, game time. Ooh. My
4: first one as well. Let's do it, then.
2: Uh, you mentioned the, the Pens and Oilers game. Uh, this will be the 10th career meeting between Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid, both off to good starts, tied for third in the NHL with 10 points in their first five games and through 492 career games. McDavid's stats are pretty similar to those of Crosby's at the same stage of his career. Crosby had more goals, but McDavid leads in points and has a significant lead in game-winning goals. Crosby and the Penguins have won six of the previous nine head-to-head meetings, but McDavid has a big lead in points, 18 to five. He scored four points in each of his last two games against Crosby, over under four points. For McDavid tonight, four points. Timmy, start with you. Four points—that's a lot
1: to get like that. I mean, listen, I understand he's been really good, but four points for anyone—you have to take the under, right? Yes. You do. <laughs> yeah, like that's—that's that's a lot to ask of him. And by the way, it's not fair to count head-to-head points between Crosby and McDavid. Like this is Crosby's Carlsberg years, right? Like it's not like he's a young pup anymore.
4: True. I was actually really surprised Crosby was putting up those numbers early relative. McDavid, just because the game is much more offensive now, yeah. But it's also hard to compare because they're going against checking lines; they're not necessarily going against each other.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do see them go head to head a little bit when they play each other, uh, or more than mm-hmm. because they're you know they're going first line to first line sometimes. But you're right; they
2: see other people in those matches. They're both so good. It's just beautiful that Sid's still producing at the level he's producing yeah, at. Yeah, 10 points through five games. I thought last year, quietly, such a great season for Sidney Crosby to have them where they were, although it didn't cross over in the postseason. Greatness personified. Okay, let's go to basketball. We're just minutes away from Raptors Central as the Raps get set to take on the Heat for the second straight game, meaning another matchup with the greatest Raptor of all time, Kyle Lowry. After struggling in Miami's season opener, Lowry has had 17 points and six assists in each of his last two games. Meanwhile, Lowry's successor as Raptors point guard, Fred Van Vliet made history in Saturday's game with his 801st career three-pointer, tying Mo Pete Morris-Peterson for second on the Raptors all-time list, Van Vliet. Is now 717 three-pointers away from Lowry's franchise record. Will he catch him? <laughs> That's a lot of three-pointers.
4: Uh, I don't know, man. That's a lot of three-pointers. If he keeps playing these minutes, he will. If he's Resigns for another three, four, five years. I think that's the issue is whether or not he's still going to be a Raptor.
1: Even more impressive is that Terrence Ross and Andrea Bargnani were four and five (laughs) on that (laughs) list. Don't (laughs) sleep on Bargnani. Where's he now? I will. (laughs) will. Uh, Donovan Bennett, Thank you very much. We made it through. Jesse Rubinoff, we made it through. All congestion. Raptors pregame show coming up next on Sportsnet. Ontario, Pacific, and 360, followed by the Raptors and the Heat. Hockey Central gets going 730 Eastern on East, West, and 1. Have a great night, everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Hopefully.
6: Granddad, grandma, you can call me now. (laughs) Don't worry.